Welcome to the Better Call Daddy Show, the number one podcast where we admit no matter what happens, daddy has the advice we need to fix our problems. Introducing my dad, Mr. Wayne Friedman. That was good. It would be nice if you could also sing a song. What would the song be? You love Paris in the springtime. I just made up some words to it. I love Rena in the springtime. I love Rena in the fall. <laughs> That's right. That's good enough. <laughs> oh boy. Let's dive in. Today we have Patricia Bryan. Her heart and soul shine so bright. After losing her dad, she started healing and praying. Patricia, welcome. Thank you so much for inviting me on. That is so exciting. And for you to even find my post, which was not the intention. It just was so such a happy accident. Aw. Yeah. yeah, I actually went back and took some notes of like things that you said that I would love to talk about. I'm excited that you have a podcast called Better Call Daddy. That, is, that makes anyone want to just click on that, right? <laughs> yeah, my dad is my go-to guy for all advice, whether it's work advice, relationship advice, friend advice. My dad is such a people person and he's really able to navigate life well. So I call him almost every day. <laughs> I don't know what that's like. That's crazy. And I actually read that you said that your dad never listened or followed anyone and he was an think outside the box kind of guy. My dad is like that too. Yeah. I'm still getting over the fact that you guys talk every day. I think it's a big interest in, of mine because it's like, but what do you talk about? And how, how do you talk that frequently? Like, how are there so many things to connect on? Um, I saw that yeah. you got married in Italy. Yes. That was really interesting with the time difference, not speaking the language and having a husband who doesn't know the difference between green and blue. <laughs> like he would be on the phone. We'd have to set our alarm to wake up at midnight. So that way they, we could talk to them at nine. And then he'd be on hold for like two minutes straight. And I'm like, what, what is this person possibly asking you? And then after all of this time, he goes, blue or green? <laughs> I'm like, what do you mean blue or green? No, I don't want any of that. But if you're going through any sort of family intricacies or issues, I wouldn't suggest, I wouldn't recommend having a wedding in a foreign country on a different time slot. And it was chaos. It was beautiful. Yeah, unfortunately, my father couldn't make it. And it was a little all over the place. But I wouldn't take it back. It's definitely something special to my heart. How did you meet your husband? I met him. It was our grand opening. And I remember there was all these like A-list stars that were like coming in or just like very important people, <laughs> as you can say. And he tapped me on the shoulder. And I remember being so busy. It was my first night. I was all, you know, I was also a kid back then. And I wanted to do a good job. And here I get a tap on my shoulder and he goes, excuse me. I'm like, yes. And I'm like so busy trying to remember someone else's order. And he's like, oh, I am very hungry. Do you, do you have like food here? And I'm like, where does this man come from? Like he doesn't, and I'm like, do you have a reservation? He's like, no. Like I was trying to ask him like all the possibilities. He's like, no, I just, I'm just here and I'm hungry. And I had a really strict boss. And so I don't know how I did it, but I made some like makeshift table. I ordered it to another table, delivered it to him. And after like 30 minutes of spending with him on the menu, because he's like, you know, it's like chaos in the background. And he's like, so what do you think uh, look good here? And I'm like, oh my God, oh my God, just <laughs> hurry up and order. He finally 
gets his food and he goes, what is this? You recommended this to me. This is terrible. And da, da, da. And it was the worst experience. Lo and behold, the next day I go into work and he goes, Joe, I brought my friends. And he kept coming back. And I realized he was staying in the hotel that it was connected to. So after like a week of getting to know each other, I really hit it off with his friend who happened to be a girl because at the time I was looking for girlfriends and I was like, we should hang out. She's like, sure. I threw her my phone back when Blackberries were cool. And <laughs> like, what's your, I'll ping you. Like send me your, you know, walk in the day. I didn't realize she saved his info under her name. So then I thought it was hers. But the very next day, I get a really long text message. And I'm like, who is this from? And then I realized, goes, oh, and by the way, this is Luca. So we had a really long distance pen pal relationship for a while. And then we started long distance dating. And then I obviously had relationship issues and thought I was too young. So I broke it off with him. We were engaged, but I, I said no. Went through a whirlwind of terribleness. And then he decided to go back to school. And I, I reconnected with him while he was at UCLA. And then we became friends. And, and then here we are. Now we're married. So crazy. Oh, my God. He had a wing woman. <laughs> yeah, he did. Totally played me like a fool, this girl. <laughs> She's like, don't worry. I got you. And I'm glad she did because he's like my best friend. Honestly, like, I don't know what I did to deserve him, but I'm so thankful and grateful that through everything in my life that has happened and I know life has its ebbs and flows, but man, it's just like, I feel like he's experienced everything with me, all of my high highs and obviously my low lows. And I, it's really easy to be in a relationship when you're doing well, but what really, really showed through and how grateful I am is when I fell and just completely my life I felt like was exploding. I just didn't realize how strong of a foundation we have. I'm able to look to him with truth and not have to hide behind a mask where I feel like I do on a daily basis with everyone else. So I come from a really broken family. As you can see from that post, I just was desperately trying to convey like what the feelings of what I was going through when I'm so disconnected from that world because I've hidden behind this mask for so long. I just reached a point where I have absolutely hit rock bottom. There is no further <laughs> that I believe I could go. And I was like, you know, if I cannot, if I'm going to be here on this planet, even for another five hours. I just can't possibly live like this. It is so painful. I feel like I would split my life into two ways. And it was so painful because none of it was true to me. So I just started to, and that was my first try of just trying to live in my truth. And that's how we connected. <laughs> you never know what could happen. And you need to just, if you're feeling that struggle and that deep yearning for a connection, like you have to start somewhere and start small. Like if that's with writing in your journal. And for me, I couldn't even share it with my friends. I had to have some sort of separation for that safety net, I guess, and uh, express it online. Because I think when you express it to people that you don't know, it's much easier than saying it face to face. Can you tell me about the whirlwind? Yeah. So a little bit of backstory is I grew up with two half older sisters and two older brothers. I'm a family of five and my grandmother lived with us as well. My mother had two other daughters with another marriage and then met my father. 
my father was so obsessed with making a name for himself. He comes from a family that is really broken as well. So his version of what love is and what, you know, a relationship, he doesn't understand what a healthy relationship is. And that's what I've come to start to put the pieces together on my own because we are exactly opposite of relationship of you and your father. We never talked. I kind of witnessed him in action and that's kind of, I just existed in the background and watched him as he struggled so hard to make a name for himself. And he was a dentist and he did make a pretty decent living, but it was never enough. What I would find very successful, he just wasn't happy with. I ended up moving probably six or seven times growing up because he kept wanting a bigger and better house. He kept wanting the fancier thing, the next big thing. I'll be happy when, I'll be happy when, you know, that game. When your parents are so fixated, my mother was also supporting my father, like, okay, if this is what you want to do. And they were working together side by side as a plan, like I'll market, I'll manage your office, you go do this. And there was just some major issues about what a parent looks like and a healthy relationship looks like to the children. And I didn't realize that, but they didn't focus on, on us at all. And when you give kids that much leeway, a lot can happen. I'm not going to say who and what, but I will say that there was a lot of drug addiction between the kids and there was just a lot of craziness. At one point I had someone who was addicted to crystal meth and another sibling who would just run off with all these men. At one point, my father thought the best solution for the kids who were getting terrible grades, who weren't performing, they were hanging out with the wrong crowds, was to go to a psychiatrist and put everyone, including my grandmother, on Adderall medication to help them focus because clearly they're having trouble focusing. But it was always a thing. It wasn't, let's talk about it. And I was always the golden child because my role was to, by witnessing everyone else become a complete mess, like just behave and do the best that you possibly can and fly under the radar, just blend in, become invisible, whatever they want you to do, just do. I didn't realize that that would have a huge impact in my life. But one day I went to school, I was in sixth grade. There was a guy who was at the bus stop. And I noticed that he was at the bus stop every time I would take the bus. And, you know, when you kind of look at each other and he smiles and when I'm 11, the, the thing that I was taught was to smile back. Little did I know was that he was actually a pedophile. And he basically threatened me and manipulated me and said that if I were to say anything to anyone, I would get in severe trouble. He knows where I live because he ended up being my neighbor. He knew so much about my family that it, I could tell he was watching the family. And when you're 11 at a prepubescent age, you're so impressionable that you believe this. Yeah, that my foundational thought was do not do anything to alarm anyone or else you'll get in trouble. So that combination of what my parents taught me to this really scary man, I didn't say anything and I did whatever he wanted me to do for that full school year. Little did I know is that he was actually doing this with other victims. And at the end of the school year, the principal and the counselor and the police officers called me into their office. And I realized there was four or five other girls. Uh, they all had their parents who were crying. And they started interviewing me about this, this man. I started breaking down and crying. But what I did remember was that my parents were the only parents that they told me they couldn't get in, a hold of. They had no idea where they were. They wouldn't answer their phones. And I think out of everything that happened, 
yeah, I hate that guy. And that guy like brings up memories. And of course, I'm reading every book and under the sun and going through therapy. But it wasn't them. It was my parents not showing up that really had a huge effect on me. The following month, my father had a falling out with my brother where he ended up having a physical fight with him. And the following day, my brother went to the school. He went, he was in PE. The teacher saw him in the locker room and called the counselor. And then just like that, I came home and he was gone and he was pulled into the foster care system for a couple of years. It just was a really, really, everything was happening at once at all times, like chaos. That's the general theme. If I could paint like in one word, just constant chaos. I didn't realize that what I was doing then worked to survive. And so I did that throughout my entire life. And I mean, it got me far to what I thought I wanted. That's the problem is like when you think you know what you want in life. I chased after the materialistic things. I got pretty far and was severely unhappy. And at this point, up until today, I would say like five, six years ago, I've been taking care of one of my family members who became homeless. We're talking about this person has a college degree. He was able to pick himself back up after everything that he's gone through because of the impact of our childhood, not have the confidence and capability of believing in himself. When anyone tells me they have that close of a relationship with their other, like I am so over the moon interested. I'm like, but what are you talking about? And I don't, and I, and I get into that because it fascinates me because I watch anyone who has had a very tight relationship excel in anything that they want to do, whether they have education in it or not. They just kind of dive face first. And I thought I had that kind of love because when you're naive, you think like, you know, you know, the world, you know, everything when you're 19. And I didn't understand why slowly over the years, it just became harder and harder and harder to breathe. And what I realized is that I was masking another layer, another layer, another layer of protection from who I truly am to survive. I actually have a daughter that kind of reminds me of you. I have an older son who is a big personality and he requires all the attention. And then I have two middle children who are quiet and always let him talk and always let him have the floor. And I'm like, what is that doing for them? They never get a word in. And they so desperately want my attention and they so desperately want to hang out with me too. The older ones in the family were definitely loud. It was very common where there were like a whirlwind of just one of them is a complete charmer because he's so used to having the floor. Sounds like your older son. And I was always entertained at the time. So it never affects, I never even realized that all of this affected me until years later years ever since my father passed away and we'll get to that but it just catapulted me into this holy shit you know what am I doing with my life and I'm having a little bit of an identity crisis and I'm just realizing this so it's all very fresh but I've gone through my whole life of adapting like a chameleon to what everyone else wanted I did everything for everyone so now it's so bizarre but I am like do I like this do I not but I don't really have that much of an opinion. And I think it's just because it's a hardwired mechanism of survival. I'm talking to a therapist and we're going through it and she's calling it out like it is. And they're really bold words and 
it's been hard for me to digest that she's like, you know, you've been going through complex PTSD. And I'm like, what? Because when I hear PTSD, I think, no, those are the veterans back in the day that when they come back, they don't know, like their leg is amputated. They don't know how to, what are you talking about? I went through PTSD. And she's like, no, you went through complex PTSD and that's pretty normal. And you just need to understand that you will figure out what you like, but you have to rediscover yourself by undoing what you've been doing for so long. And here we are. Did you ever get to talk to your parents about what happened? No, because you have to remember, they do not like confrontation. And if I were to bring it up, their ego would get involved and it would be me shunning them that they're a bad parent. And at some point, I'm just trying to see how they could just drop their pride a little bit and understand that everyone makes mistakes. No one is perfect. Even if you're on your best A game and your children are the love of your lives, and I'm sure they have the best of intentions. I just wish that they had a little bit of this micro dose of what I have of being able to understand everyone else's points of view. If they could just take a little bit of that and understand that it's not about them, it's about having the best relationship now. And that if they were able to look past that, then there could be so much forgiveness and love between us. And then we wouldn't have to waste the rest of our lives holding up a front. With my father, our last conversation was me trying to talk to him about what was screaming in my face of how wasted he was to the point where I couldn't understand him. He was slurring his words. It would have to get to such a terrible point for me to even try to muster up the courage to talk about it. Because again, And I have to keep reminding myself because after this whole thing happened, I'm like, why didn't I just say something? Why didn't I just pipe up as it was happening? Like, dad, you're wasted. You can't, you can't even speak. You're slurring your words. Instead, it went like this. So, um, dad, do you mind just repeating yourself again? Because I cannot understand. Uh, Do you think, I'm so sorry. It must be the connection. Do you mind just saying it again? And then he would already that would piss him off that's already like setting off a trigger then I finally was like I don't think it's the connection I think you're slurring your words I'm having a really hard time I'd love to help and I just need to know where you are that little slipping in you're slurring your words and I cannot hear he went off on me and screamed hung up on me blocked me didn't want to talk to me And this is why it is so important for people like you to have podcasts to try to have that ripple effect of spreading something like mental health is so important to me. My whole life, I looked at anyone with mental health issues as a weakness, not because I thought you were weak, but because I was taught that you cannot speak about your inner truth. So now this is very foreign to me, but it's my soul and spirit refuses to live another minute without communicating, overly communicating, because I'm still learning every single thing that's going on. And I just don't want to live life like my father who ended up taking his own life because he could not live with himself anymore. That's how much he was so behind his mask. And no matter what he tried to do, he couldn't pull himself out of it. And so eventually he just fell towards the addiction side of him. So for him, popping pills, and drinking 
bottles and beyond bottles beyond bottles like I, whenever I would find him it was mountains of, of empty bottles around his bed and we're talking about a, a man who went through he has like five degrees went through the educational system like college for 13 years because he switched different degrees in the middle of it you would think someone so educated would know huh something's off maybe I should try to seek help here it shows how broken this system is. Oh my gosh. I am so sorry. I did not know that your dad did that. That is so hard. You know, this is the first time I'm sharing it really with you. I can relate so hard to feeling like all growing up, like you shouldn't talk about anything mental health and there's so much stigma around it. Like I definitely can relate to that. And I think too, it's really hard to find the right help. How do you navigate that? Oh, I know. I think I'm very grateful in this day and age where I am able to easily at the palm of my hand type in something that I don't know that I'm desperately trying to figure out and have a plurissa of resources at my fingertips. I think that has something to do with the fact that there's a brokenness that has been passed down, generationally speaking, that I hope by people like you with your amazing resources that you're continuing to spread that people can actually heal and not and educate themselves in a new way where they learn how to put a stop on whatever it is that they're dealing with. We all have different cards and I know we all have a different journey that we're on, but I do think that the universal feelings of wanting to feel loved and accepted are so prominent in each and every story. And I think for me, my love and acceptance looked like shutting up and doing whatever anyone wanted me to do, which has caused a ripple effect of positive and negative experiences. I'm grateful where I'm in a place where I can strengthen my foundation and dissect what it is that's broken and fix it. But my father, on the other hand, as smart as he was, and even though the internet was there, I don't think this type of thinking of virtually anything is at your fingertips was within reach for him. I will never forget the day he told me he spent five hours figuring out how to use the damn Google thing on his phone. And I'm like, what do you mean? He goes, I don't know how you're finding internet on your phone. And I'm like, you just Google it. And he goes, okay. And he was so proud that he went away for five hours and didn't say anything. So if that's your mentality that you have to know all and everything, of course, you're not going to get very far. He fell apart when my mother decided to get divorced. She decided to get divorced because she was trying to pump oxygen back into him. The mental health was so, it was already so far out there where it's like a snowball effect. She couldn't even stand in the same room without something being wrong. Everything was wrong. And so, yeah, he was diagnosed with being bipolar and chronically depressed and he was having sleep issues. I've learned from my father, I guess, in this past year that I'm mourning and grieving over him, that suicide is a clear manifestation of if you are not capable of talking about your feelings. Just because you're not happy or bubbly does not mean it's not a good feeling. There's a huge stigma about crying. There's a huge stigma about vulnerability. I'm just so happy that I'm able to even talk about it for a little bit as messy as my life is and as clearly not on the path that I thought it was going to be by this time. 
I have to be okay with it because there's no other way. There's no other way that I'm going to be able to pull myself out because as you can see from that post, that was like me on my last leg trying to figure out desperately how to break free. And I think since then I've been moving strides. So that's my version of success for today. It'll change tomorrow. Like it changes on a day-to-day basis now. <laughs> so I love what you said about even if it's messy and it's angry, talking about our feelings is good to do. And had he done more of that, then maybe that would have helped him. I love thinking about what if our feelings are all for a reason? And like, what if all of our feelings are okay to have? There's so many people that try to tell us not to have the feelings that we're having. So I love the idea of what if all of your feelings are right? Yeah, it's so true that like, I don't know why and and when this stigma was built around feeling sad or angry is perceived as, you know, it's just not tolerated. But talking to your daughter, who's like kind of, you know, in the background of just asking her, how do you feel? And teaching her that it's okay to feel sad and to just talk about it out loud. So she's not hanging on to that. I took all four of my kids to the pediatrician today. And- My oldest that I was telling you about that's 12, they made him fill out a preteen survey asking if he's ever thought about suicide. Has he ever disappointed his parents? Has he ever not been interested in the activities that he's supposed to do? And he was like, basically every question was asking, are you depressed? But it asked in like six different ways, are you depressed? And he's like, you can't honestly answer this, mom. He's like, then they're going to just like want to put you on medication or something. He's like so smart, you know? Right. And then he was like, who is going to answer this honestly? And he's like, I answered it all right. And then he was like, it is also sad that people at 12 years old have attempted to kill themselves. He was like, do you really think somebody at 12 years old has thought to do that? So that was an interesting conversation on the way home from the pediatrician. My gosh, your son, he is so ahead of his lightning years, right? That is just, wow. It's so true. I cannot believe your son is like, well, I can't honestly answer that. What am I going to like, what am I going to say? Then they're going to put me on meds. How crazy. What's crazy is that the psychiatrist that my dad went to, this is one of the big reasons as to why he ended up getting much worse in the end, was he wasn't sleeping from stress at work. Well, he thought finally after six months of not sleeping to go to a psychiatrist and see if there's any sleep aid, which is fine. But he ended up going to this guy who not only prescribed him a sleep aid, he prescribed him lithium, Neurontin, Ambien, Adderall, something to wake up, something to diagnose him with bipolar disorder. But my point is, is that they found out that he was a pediatrician and he ended up like either doing jail time or fraud or something. And I'm like, how is it that people are so desperate into wanting to sell drugs like prescriptions that they're able to even find victims like my dad? It's a problem. It's a huge problem. Yeah. I would love to know, do you have any like beautiful memories from your childhood of things being good? Yeah, I was thinking about that a lot. That's so crazy that you asked that. I do remember one year during Christmas, holidays were a big deal. Thanksgiving and Christmas were a huge deal for my dad, especially. 
I think the one thing that I got out of him was he shared that Christmas at his house was such a big deal because no matter however many days a year that they were fighting or whatever, Christmas was always hands down the one day that they would have a good day, no matter what. And so he really took that and flew with it. He, one year, I think I was five, I woke up one day and you know those little Barbie carts? One year I go downstairs and both, because my brothers and I are very close in age, and all of us got our own little Jeep. Our own, mine was a little Barbie one, his was like a little Porsche, and the other guy was like, I think a, a boy's Jeep. We just drove that all around the house. We were so excited. I remember that was one of my favorite memories. It's weird because my mom is Korean and always has some random food, Korean food on there. So it's like crazy because I would have kimchi and turkey, like, or (laughs) fried rice. And it would just be a hodgepodge of food. But I didn't realize that that's not normal until (laughs) later. And I have an Italian husband. So every time I crack that kimchi jar open, he's like, oh, Patricia, what is that? Uh, but yeah, so tons of different foods. Um, I think that's the sweet thing of coming from a biracial family. I love like, kimchi and turkey. That's hysterical. My husband <laughs> loves kimchi. So do you know how to make it yourself? I do. I don't, it doesn't necessarily turn out the way that my mom makes it. So normally what ends up happening is she actually makes a big batch and she'll give me some. Like I have a huge batch right now currently from, and that's the thing. She Like she doesn't know how to communicate, you know, face to face or on the phone or check in or how do you feel like those, that vocabulary does not exist with you. How do you feel? However, her version of love is by dropping off a gallon of kimchi or something. She may not be there for the little things, but she'll check in with you in the way that she loves you. And so that's why I'm trying my hardest right now is to understand like, how can I honor myself, respect myself by asking what I feel like I need right now to be able to push this trauma through my body to move on? Because there are certain pieces of the puzzle that is completely missing. And for whatever reason, I've gotten over judging myself as to why it's so important to me and just to try to swallow it and just get it and move on. But how do I get what I need out of the relationship, you know, without bending what she values in life as well? Because clearly something is, it's almost like I'm threatening her when I ask. So yeah, she loves me more than anything. And I know this. So even with everything said and done, What I can say is like the amount of love that she has for me, I feel that. Do you think if you showed up with a gallon of kimchi, then you might be able to have a deeper conversation? (laughs) Maybe, but I'm not good at making kimchi. She'll be like, oh God, it's disgusting. (laughs) Or is there anything that you make? Like I make pumpkin pie and challah. And my mom really likes that. So maybe I could butter her up with that. My mom yeah. really likes my challah. Actually, my mother-in-law likes it too. So I'm thinking maybe if I brought my mom some challah and pumpkin pie, we could get deeper. I actually have a hard time communicating with my mom also. <laughs> so you talk to your dad on a daily basis. Do you talk to your mo- mom like that too? or Not at all. <laughs> no, not at all. Okay. So that's interesting. What is your communication like? Very surface. You know, yeah. she'll yeah, say- Yeah, what is that? I hope you're having a great day. And I'm like, I hope you're having a great day too. Or she'll tell me something she cooked and I'll be like, that sounds delicious. (laughs) That's exactly. 
That is exactly what my mom, how she communicates. And I don't understand what that is, but I'm craving, it worked in the past, but I'm craving for something so much more like such a deeper connection now. There's too many things that have passed where I cannot have surface conversations. Is there anything that you would like to ask my daddy? I would love to ask your daddy how he has been able to create such a space for his daughter to allow vulnerability to show, show through as a strength and to be able to communicate on that deep of a vibration. Like, I just want to ask, like, was it intuitively? Did something happen to him where one day he was like, or was it just instilled by his mother? It sounds like a little bit. And how he was just able to adapt that into such a normal lifestyle. Aw, I love that. Thank you. That's such a great question. And you know what? I'm going to tell you something. We have not always been this close. We definitely had our years of, oh man, me pushing his buttons and, you know, me lying and rebelling and all of those things. So I think part of it is aging and wisdom and life and him just being true to who he is and himself. It's crazy. Thank you so much for having me here today. I'm like so over the moon and I feel so honored and for you to hold a space for me to talk about my vulnerability and not judge or shame or anything is so important. I feel so loved and I appreciate you. Thank you for crying out on the internet where I could see it because (laughs) I feel like it was a blessing to connect with you and you're going to help so many other people. And I would love to do a follow-up six months from now and see where you are. You've got a new cheerleader. Oh, thank you. Same here. I'm like such a fan of yours now. This is amazing. I love it. <laughs> Aw, have a great night. Thank you. you too. Grandpa, what did you think? The story of Patricia is not an unusual story. Unfortunately, these things go wrong and I've seen it with a lot of other families. And I've even seen it in my own family with my own grandfather getting very depressed. But I think there's a lot of people out there that have high expectations for material things, of accomplishing things, where they only measure their value of accomplishment by how much money they make. That's not really the way to measure success. It's what kind of effect that you have on other people, the development of your knowledge and skills to be able to do certain jobs is also makes us all feel better and is a way of measuring success. Neglecting your children or not spending time and that art of communication is not an easy thing to develop necessarily with your children, but it must be done. Because if you don't, look what happened. There's drug abuse. Patricia was actually the victim of a pedophile with other girls too. And what hurt her was that when it came to the parents showing up to the police station, he wasn't around. So encouragement of your children, enthusiasm with your children and your family, Communication, good or bad or indifferent, (laughs) has to be done. Having an open channel of communication isn't easy to do, but it's a must. That was even the question that she asked you. She asked how we're able to be so vulnerable with each other. You have to be. And you have to be able to talk where it's real and where it's realistic. And it can't be fake. She also mentioned that she wanted to please other people and be able to be whoever somebody else wanted her to be, like a chameleon. But (laughs) that's not going to make you happy. 
What's going to make you happy is being able to be yourself. And you want other people to accept you for who you are. Today's episode is sponsored by Rin 10 Media. If you want to look and sound your best for a podcast of your own, you want to get in touch with Rin 10 Media. When I first contacted them, Better Call Daddy was just a twinkle in my daddy's eye. And now, only after a couple months in, we're at like 50 episodes. Reach out to info at ren10media.co.za and use the subject line, Better Call Daddy. Now you can subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, and tune in. Add Better Call Daddy Podcast on IG at Rena Friedman Watts on LinkedIn.com. Thanks for listening to the Better Call Daddy Show. Yeah.